Welcome to the Military Child Education Coalition podcast, the show that highlights a wide range of challenges and triumphs that our military-connected kids experience. My name is Dickie Harrison, and I'll be your host today. We would like to say thank you for the support of the Texas Education Agency for this episode. I am so excited to have joining me today two wonderful people, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves and tell a little bit about who they are and their families, and I'll start with Catherine. Thanks, Nikki. My name is Catherine Kotowski. I've been married to an active duty soldier for a little over 16 years. We are both originally from the Chicago area, but we live in Northern Virginia at the moment. We have three kids of our own. They are all girls. I have a ninth grader, a seventh grader, and a fifth grader. I think we've moved six times since we've had kids. Our, you know, my older two kids are on their fifth school, and then my youngest is on her fourth school. My name is Marie McGarry. I'm actually a neighbor of Catherine's. We don't live too far apart from each other here in Northern Virginia. I have been an active duty Army spouse for 21 years, and I have two children, both in high school. I have a high school senior this year um, mm-hmm. son, and my daughter is a junior, and we have moved 11 times. I think this is their seventh school. And they are lucky because they will have been able to do all four years of high school in this, this same space. So as military families, we certainly appreciate that and know how lucky we are to, to have them have that continuity. Thank you so much for being here. And like Marie, I have a senior. So I it's like bittersweet when we think about them graduating and going off. So I I really feel you on that one. So we're going to be really talking about our Purple Star schools and kind of the significance behind them and really getting more of the parent perspective. And so as military families, why do you think educators matter? in our highly mobile lifestyle. What we've experienced really with moving schools is that the educators, the teachers, the adults that are in front of the classroom, they really have a hand in setting the tone for how our kids enter into the school. And it makes such a massive difference when they're willing to give new kids a chance, especially moving into high school where the kids are doing sports and music and all those things. I have a kid who's really into band and it would have been really easy for her teacher to have let all the kids who she'd been teaching for two years get, you know, the first year and all those things. But she gave my daughter a chance, which was great. So she felt like she was able to be part of the classroom. And it unfortunately works the other way, too, when teachers assume that everyone's been there the whole time and they don't explain things because they're like, oh, you guys remember this from last year. And then I've got a poor middle schooler or teenager who has to be the one to raise their hands and attach themselves and be like, I don't know what you're talking about because I wasn't here last year. So having that person in front of the room set the tone before the kids have even gotten a chance to know each other, we've noticed can really set the stage for a good or a less good year. Thanks, Catherine. I appreciate that. And what do you think, Murray, about the the educator's impact? I think for a lot of military-connected kids, those teachers can be a soft place for them to land, that they have that person at school that they have a connection with. I know we were fortunate. Both my kids had a wonderful math teacher at the high school, and she was my, especially for my daughter, was her safe place. She would confide in her, and there was something that was happening with some other students, and Malia was able to share that with that teacher, and then the teacher was able to bring it to my attention 
attention as well. So I think opening those lines of homeschool communication is really important, particularly if it's a new school for that military family. So I found that really helpful. And I do think it's helpful for teachers to have some training, to have some understanding about the challenges and the strengths of our military kids. I know that's one of the things for a Purple Star School that staff does have some training in that understanding. So I think that's really important in order for them to understand about how to reach out, how to make those connections, how to respect the fact that, you know, as Catherine mentioned, maybe everybody hasn't been there all the time and to be sensitive to that fact and to not assume that everybody knows the drill. I completely agree. And I always talk about it only just takes one person. I think I've told my boys this before, you know, that one teacher that it sounds like your daughter had, Marie, and, you know, Catherine's daughter had that as well. It just just takes one that shows the interest, engages them and kind of brings them in. And I think that's really important for our military children, especially So when we talk about transitions, we know our military families are highly mobile, and we talk a lot about that fragile 14 days or those critical two weeks that that student is at a new school. What are some examples of how your child was made to feel welcome and included in their new school? We had a wonderful administrator when we moved to El Paso, actually, and they bent the rules a little bit for us. My husband deployed about a week after we got there. And so we came in the summer and we really wanted him to see the new school that the kids were going to be going to. And so I reached out to the administrator there and she said, you know, we're sort of in the middle of getting things ready, but yes, please come. We understand that you have some time constraints and we feel it's really important to to make that connection. And that was great for everybody. It was great for my husband to see where the kids were going to be before he deployed. It was nice for them to have some common ground. So my husband had a picture of what that school was like when the kids were referring to it. And it made the kids feel good that, you know, here was this principal who was going out of her way to make this happen for them. And it certainly made them feel a lot better about coming that first day of school. And I think any time the school has an opportunity to have that tour, I know at the Middle and High School here, they have a new student orientation. And so they bring the kids in and give them that tour and help them, you know, make some connections with other students and and staff. It really makes a difference in lowering everybody's anxiety level, the kids as well as the parents on that first day of school, for sure. Yeah, I think what Marie said about things happening before school starts can make such a massive difference with kids feeling welcome. And I know for one of my kids, we moved during the pandemic. So peak pandemic, we were all social distancing and my kids started at a new school virtually. So they were new and they couldn't see anyone in person. My third graders teacher was also a military spouse. And so she made arrangements to come to our house and made a porch visit. So we opened the door and stood just outside the door. And she stood at the bottom of the steps and waved hello because she said she just really wanted to see her students face to face before they actually had to see each other on the Zoom screen, which they did that too, of course. For my older, for my teenager, Probably the best thing anyone ever did for her. She, we moved again two years after the pandemic, and she had to start eighth grade at a massive 3,000 student school, and she didn't know a single soul the first day. 
did the dreaded lunchroom walk. She'd even packed her lunch and then ended up forgetting it. And so had to figure out which lunch line to get into, the whole thing. And so she was walking into the lunchroom cafeteria holding her tray. And another student actually saw her, kind of read the expression on her face and waved her over and said, hey, you want to sit by us? They chatted and that student ended up being an Air Force kid and recognized the looks and knew what was happening and had actually called over a couple of other kids. And so she found herself at a table with two Air Force kids and a Space Force kid. And they always stayed acquaintances. They weren't best friends, but it just kind of helped them all to ease into that first day and not be quite so lonely. That lunch period is such a minefield, right? I know that's always my first question when the always. kids come home. It's not, oh, what was in your math you know, today? It's who did you eat lunch with? So I think when schools recognize that and set up some kind of a lunch bunch or a lunch buddy program, at least for those first couple of weeks, it can really make a big difference for sure. I was getting ready to say the same thing. Lunch is like the scariest time of day for a new student and having something like that. And as educators, if you're noticing, you know, that there's kids that are sitting by themselves or, you know, sitting over in a corner, going up to them and kind of figuring out what's going on can be really helpful. So I love that. And I think those are some really great welcoming practices that your new schools have had. I love the the porch visits. That was, that was. That's the probably, cutest. Yeah. Yeah. Sweetheart. So sweet. She was a military spouse. She knew. She knew she got it. that it made a difference, that it mattered. It also helped that she was, you know, lived on post two and could just walk. <laughs> and she could just walk. Facilitated the relationship. <laughs> yeah. She walked over and waved and yeah, it worked out. It worked out all right. So resources, let's talk about favorite resources. We, I feel like as military families, we love a good resource. We have quite a few of them, but what are some of your favorites as a military parent and what specific resources are you maybe looking for when you're PCSing from that new school district? I think my first stop is always other military families. I mean, especially if it's one I know, because really after 16 years, I'm pretty sure I know somebody everywhere, everywhere. at this point, <laughs> or I know someone who knows someone and we probably were stationed together 10 years ago. So a lot of times that's my first stop is, hey, like, where do you live? What do you think? Do you like your school? Do you like your house? Should we live on post? What's the waiting list look like? And just kind of get the lay of the land first and then narrow it down to, you know, the the individual schools or, or whatever at the schools themselves. I mean, the most helpful human I have found at the school itself, if there is one, is if there's a point of like a military or a purple star point of contact, someone who is anticipating my call and knows what I'm going to ask ahead of time. And even can, you know, we don't know where we're living and we think we're zoned in the school, but we're not really entirely sure. So, and they can usually, they have the answers and can send you the right forms or at least set you up with the right people. So those have been the ones we've had one of the best experiences with. I think that spouse's network runs deep, right? Mm -hmm. And so either that's that personal connection. A lot of Facebook pages too. I know here in the NCR region, there's several different Facebook groups depending on where you live that are military centric. So a lot of them, you can reach out and get some good information about housing and schools and activities in the area. I always check out the library, either if we're living on post, the on post library or the local library has a lot of resources, particularly if you're moving over the summer. 
Sometimes they have activities and things for the kids that you can have them sign up and start to make some of those connections. Youth sports programs, I've always looked there too. And then school-wise, I always reach out uh, we are always transition with a child with an IEP. So one of my first calls is always to the special education chair of that particular school to touch base and to talk about programs and making sure that transition goes smoothly. So everybody's starting off at the right point, you know, when school starts and, and ready to go. So those are always my, my go-tos. Great resources. I was going to say the same thing. Social media pages. I think social media is the key to so much, even though my teenager tells me that Facebook is not for the young people <laughs> anymore, it's a great resource. And so if you can get in there, maybe not for the socialization piece all the time, but just to stay connected. So let's talk a little bit about celebrations and what those look like. I think that's really important for our military children because they are so mobile, moving around. They don't always have the opportunity to stay somewhere for their entire school career. And I would love to know what are some celebrations that schools have done that have had a positive impact on your military family? There's been a couple of schools that they've done the t-shirt at the end of the year. They call it the field day and they have their their t-shirt teams. And so if they have known that one of my kids was leaving, you know, they'd have everybody sign the t-shirt. There's also been the class picture that a kind teacher matted and had all of the kids, you know, sign that as well. So those little takeaways. One school we were at, they happened in my daughter's class, three parents were deployed that year. And so they very sweetly, once everybody got back from the deployment, had a really nice class party and invited the parents to come in. And, and it was a really nice celebration. And so just recognizing the challenges that my daughter and her classmates had faced while the parent was away was really meaningful to them and impactful for the kids and for the other students in the classroom as well, many of whom were not military. So there was three military kids in the class and all three of their parents were deployed. So it was a nice, a nice lesson and celebration for everybody. My kids were at an on-post school a couple of duty stations ago, and a very sweet, lovely teacher organized a cheer tunnel on Purple Up Day in April for Month of the Military Child. And so we did the scramble where we dropped our kids off at the back door and then all the parents snuck back in the front door and we formed this cheer tunnel. So when the kids walked in, all of the there was a the hallway was packed front to back with parents, some and the service member parents were in uniform, the whole thing. And we cheered and had signs. I saw the videos and they the kids just beamed their faces off. And they were it was on post school, like I said, so they were almost all military anyway. Or if they weren't, they were surrounded by military kids. So they got it. So it was lovely and so sweet and fun for the kids and fun for the parents. Now, I feel like I have to caveat this, that my kids were in kindergarten, second grade, and fourth grade. And so they thought this was delightful. If I told my now 15-year-old, 13-year-old, and 11-year-old that we were doing this, hard pass. Like they would not <laughs> eat at all because then that's so much focus and attention. So they would beg me to schedule a dentist appointment so they could skip it. So for the big kids, the one of the nice things that the school, my older girls are at, they had the service member parent write a letter to the kids. And then during the month of the military child, it was just delivered to their classroom. So it was discreet, you know, it was just a little envelope, but it was a personal note to them from from their parents to let, you know, 
we're so proud of you and all that you've done. So it was less, less focus, less attention, but still help them see themselves as special. I That's love to good the, point. Yeah. Catherine, yeah. To, to really be sensitive about those different age groups, right? And what works for them. Absolutely. And I was going to say just in general, maybe some of the regular celebrations. I think about here, we live in Texas and during homecoming season, mums are the thing, like these massive flowers that I was, I, this year I was like, can I get a mom? And, you know, this is kind of my first time having a high schooler. We live in Texas. And so the mums are a thing. We thought that was so much fun and something that my child will remember, you know, a fun celebration in conjunction with homecoming that he will remember from his time in Texas. I think even just the regular celebrations that the schools are doing on a continuous basis, those can be really fun for our military children because at some point they are probably going to move and go somewhere else. And so they can remember that. Yeah, I still have my mom. I think I'm going to wear my mom on graduation day. <laughs> you absolutely should. There you go. One of those traditions, I love what you said about the Texas, you know, the moms in different places. You know, when we live different places, we lived in Germany and the kids loved this. They were called Schulentutis and they were these cones that kids got on the first day of school that had little treats and candies and all of those things in them. And uh, so that was a great, you know, tradition. And some moms that are much better at that than than I am have continued that tradition even though their kids have moved all over the other my kids got them the years we lived in Germany but not after that so but I do have friends that have continued it all the way through school so um, yeah it's fun I was shocked to learn that my kids could sing the Hawaiian state song because they were when they went to school there which is sweet because it's in Hawaiian and they could sing a word for I was like I had no idea they're like we sing it every morning mom oh I love that all the little things that we pick up on our our travels, those memories that are being made, I think that's a lot of fun. So we're talking a little bit about celebrations and, and those fun things that happen throughout the course of a year, the event. But what about some of the farewell practices that happen? Because we know at some point our families are going to have to move, PCS, transition, and what are some of those exit practices that you've experienced as parents that schools have done that have really stuck with you and maybe even stuck with your kids? We have a couple of them. And last year of school, I feel like is always such a, for me as a kid, it was always so exciting and fun, right? You couldn't wait. Summer, yay. I consistently at every military heavy school we've been at, it's such a mixed emotion of a day because there's always kids that are crying. There are parents that are crying. We, when we were in Hawaii and left the school there, all the kids who were, well, this, they did this throughout the year, but you see a lot of them on the last day. They made little pipe cleaner lays, lays like flower lays, and it would have a little song, the words, the lyrics to a song hung on the lay. And so you knew which kids were PCSing that summer because they were wearing a lay, which was very sweet. And so everyone got to say goodbye to them. It was very emotional. At a different school in Kansas, this school had little memory stones made and it was just a little glass pebble and it had the school's mascot kind of inside the pebble so that you could see. And then the teacher would have the kids sit around a circle and then every kid in the class would hold the pebble and say something nice. 
about the military kid that was leaving and then pass it to the next kid. And so they would get a compliment from everyone in their class and then they'd hand them the pebble and that was like their pebble holding their all the nice thoughts about them. And so then they had that to take with them. That's so sweet. And we still have our pebbles from MacArthur. One year we had a group of military kids and they all got together and had a little farewell party at the pool. So that was really fun. And one of the schools here have adopted the coin ceremony that's really a part of military culture. You know, And so they designed a coin with the middle school's logo on it. And they give one of those as just a token for when the kids are leaving, just a little piece of that school to take with them. But I love the added idea of being able to give that and pass it around, Catherine, that you mentioned and having the kids say something about that. But but I loved how this school looked to incorporate one of those military traditions in terms of saying farewell to their military students. Especially for big kids' coins, because yeah, they'll get it. Right? They've endured so many ceremonies <laughs> of sit here and be quiet and perfect just for 30 minutes. So they know what it means. They exactly, get it. Exactly, exactly. I think those are great farewell practices. I love the idea of the coin. I think that's fun. And I always love photos when we have pictures, things like that. Those are great ways to kind of put together. You know, my boys were in the child development centers as we moved around in different locations. And they always put together like this like memory book. It is the cutest. It's huge, first off. It's like this giant memory book. But the idea of it is fun, right? Like the older kid version is the yearbook, but maybe something even different where you have photos and they can go back and they can look at their friends and things and and remember those times. So I personally love the idea of capturing those photos, good farewell practices. So we've talked about so many things. We've talked about the importance of celebrations, training for staff, really understanding the military community in and of itself, and resources, and just so many things. Is there anything that you would change about your child's experience in school transitions? I think the middle school years were the hardest. That was a really hard transition. And we left Northern Virginia, then we were in El Paso for two years, and then we decided to come back to Northern Virginia. My husband was in school in, in Pennsylvania, but we said, well, we'll just be here for the one year. And so have the kids go back to that middle school that with all their elementary school friends. And we figured this will be a really easy transition. And it wasn't. And my son ended up writing about it for his personal essay for his college applications about that idea about you can't go home again because they came back and those friendship groups, particularly in middle school, had really changed and shifted. And so what I thought was going to be a really smooth transition and sort of had built that up really ended up being one of the most challenging ones. So I think those middle school years can be tricky. And so making sure that you have those lines of communication open, that you are reaching out to the school, that you have some of those protective factors in place was really important. And it was a good lesson for the kids in terms of figuring out that sometimes you need to pivot. And sometimes you need to be open, you know, to change and that expectations when they're not met, how do you respond to that? And then and then how do you change course a little bit? So it was definitely a learning curve for everybody. But if I had a do over, that might be the one I'd reconsider. We've been really lucky in pretty much most of the transitions that we've made. I think the roughest one for us was after living on post for 10 years and pretty much attending mostly post schools or having post neighbors who are all military. We were all living that similar experience. 
we moved to a civilian community this last week in Northern Virginia. And that was the hardest one was going to a school where my kids were not instantly among their military connected peers. There were a few, you know, it's still a pretty military heavy community, but not completely. They were, that was still something that made them different and apart from their classmates. And so it didn't have an opportunity to talk to every teacher ahead of time and kind of give them the heads up that this is my student's experience and just be aware of this. You know, I wish I could have gone back and talked to the administration and all of the teachers and just given them the heads up. You know, you don't have to do anything special. Just know that this is the experience they're having and just be mindful of how you say things and how you explain the school day, especially like Marie said, middle school is a special time for all of us. Um, and especially our military kids, because it is such a like you want to fit in, but also be special. I mean, it's just they're so there's such a torrent of emotions. That was a hard transition. And I just wish I could have more more of the adults that we worked with and the kids, too. Like, I wish they could sort of know my kids background and help invite them in to be part of the whole community. I think the transition from living on post or base or military installation into civilian communities. And I'm even going to throw a third one in there and say, if you were OCONUS at some point and you were kind of in a different type of community there where maybe, you know, my boys went to Department of Defense schools or Dodea schools, I should say, at some point. So, you know, that is a, a completely different culture as well. What's really important about what you're saying, Catherine, is that our community stakeholders are just as important as our educators, our teachers, and those at the military installation. It's like a group effort, right, of us all supporting our military families that are there in our local communities. I feel you on that one. I will say real quickly that we did the same thing like Marie, where we were at a location, we moved away, and then we moved back to that same place. And I had this kind of utopic view <laughs> of how it was going to go. And it did not. It did not. And it, it did it. And it was, and for mine, it was my younger one. He had spent elementary, you know, second, third, and fourth grade. And I thought, oh, well, when we move back, you know, even though you, you all will be in seventh grade, you know, we move back, you'll be like instant friends again. And they were not instant friends mm -hmm. again because it was like fourth grade. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he found a new friend group like yep. your son did, Marie, which I think is great. And I don't mean to imply that we're teachers have or educators or adults working with these kids should have all this stuff added to their plate. Like nothing big. I, the last thing anyone wants to do is give teachers any okay. more to do than they are already doing. It's just like I said, just that awareness, because I also would feel very confident saying 10 out of teachers. 10 out of 10 teachers care about their students, all of them. And like I said, just that awareness, just keep an eye on them, having that background mm -hmm. seems the times that I have been able to do that, have those conversations. And one of my kids is very socially selective, we'll say. She's what people would say shy. She's not the kid that walks in and has 10 friends by the end of the week. That's just not her personality. And so being able to have the conversation with teachers ahead of time and let them know that and just give context absolutely makes a huge difference every single time. I agree. I think it just really makes a difference just to be aware. That awareness is what we're looking for. So since we've been talking about Purple Star Schools, and there's so many that are 
pursuing the designation. I know where we live, there's a lot of schools that have that purple star designation, as well as where where you all live. Why do you think purple star schools are so important? I would say that idea of continuity of care. I know that's something, you know, a term that you use a lot of times with the medical piece, but that continuity of care, when you know that a school it has that Purple Star designation, that you know, as Catherine mentioned, that point of contact that she reaches out to, that that person's available, that they have a website that has resources specific for military families, that they have some understanding about the challenges and strengths of our military children, because there's been some training and staff development there. So you feel like you are not starting from ground zero with that particular school, that there are some of those protective factors that are in place to hopefully make this transition an easier one for everybody. And that's really evolved. I mean, the Purple Star Schools, as we're kind of heading towards the tail end of our military experience, I think it is going to be really impactful going forward for military families. I love the phrase continuity of care with respect to moving schools. Man, that's that's exactly it. There are so many moving parts when you're PCSing and so many things to worry about. And I think a lot of military families and parents our homeostasis is like on guard, right? Like ready, vigilant for whatever fight's coming next because we know it's going to be a fight. And just knowing, seeing that little purple star symbol on the school that you know you're moving your kid to is one less fight that we feel like we have to fight. Like maybe this one, this will be easier because it it almost always is. I mean, every purple star school we've gone into has been easier to transition into because continuity of care, because we know what to expect. We know it's probably in place already. And it doesn't imply perfect. Marie and I actually, we talked about this earlier today. No school, no no anything is going to be perfect for every family, but at least you know it's going to be easier. I too love continuity of care. I think it's perfect. I was like starring it as I was writing it and you were saying it. You know, as parents, We want the best for our kids. We're worried about those transitions, whether they're academic, whether they're social or emotional. And we want to know that there's that support there that they need to be successful. So that really is what we're looking for in those Purple Star schools. I have a fun question for you. Just in conclusion, we are about to be in the holiday season or we're in the holiday season for a lot of us. And I would love to know as military families, do you have a fun tradition that you do? Is it something that you've picked up from some place that you've lived? Do you have like a blended form of traditions at the holiday time? We were lucky to be stationed in Germany for a couple of years, which is really the land of Christmas. And they open most of their presents on Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve is a really big tradition. And I love Christmas Eve too. So some of the traditions that we have is we do two presents on Christmas Eve. One is always new pajamas. And another is a Christmas ornament that has something to do specific with that person. Either it's something that they're interested in or it's a place that we've been or happy memory. So we always do that. And then we always have a baby Jesus birthday cake. So we always sing happy birthday (laughs) and do candles for baby Jesus. I think some of our pride and joy ornaments in our tree are the ones from the duty stations, you know, like these are the Hawaiian ornaments and these are the Kansas ornaments and they always need a prominent spot on the tree too. Uh, it's our like little travel brag. So we always 
decorate gingerbread people. And I have three daughters, so I have to say people, gingerbread people. But it's somehow at some point that tradition evolved into everyone has to do themselves in gingerbread. So like you have to make one of them look like you. And it's fun because we started when the girls were little. So they were, of course, pop mess. So now they get better. And like as the girls' artistic abilities develop, they get better and better. And we get to, you know, when they're into horseback riding, then they're wearing horseback riding outfit. Or like the next year they were in basketball or whatever changes. My husband's doesn't change nor does his artistic talent <laughs> develop but it's still sweet you know he, he can kind of do green camo now every year I take a picture of it and post it on socials and I've had friends that are like I can't wait for oh. your gingerbread photo every year your little family portrait in gingerbread they're very cute and those are great ones and I just feel like it's fun to talk about you know as military families we're not always around our extended family or family in general. And so a lot of times it's just, you know, our immediate circle. There's some fun traditions that could be made as well. We also, I will say, we collect ornaments from different 2D stations and places that we've traveled. And it got to the point over the years where I was like, oh my gosh, we're getting so many ornaments. And I'm a little perfectionist when it comes to the trees. <laughs> like I have like themed trees. I was like, and all these ornaments are messing up my theme. So I did, we call it the all around the world tree. That's what my boys call it. And it's just a small tree that we have that's separate and it has all of those ornaments. And so they can look at all of the, like the travels and the places we've lived and you can reminisce. One of our ornaments is a little cool cord, sorry. It's a, and you can put a pin where you live. So we just change the pin when we move. I love that. Well, those are great. Those are fantastic traditions. Thank you for indulging in that fun question. And I'm just so appreciative of both of you coming on, talking about your experience as military parents, as well as uh, your children, and just the importance of Purple Star Schools and what they mean to you. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for having us. It was fun. I'd like to thank Catherine and Marie for their time today as I've really enjoyed our conversation and talking about Purple Star Schools is important. Thanks for listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and give today's show a five-star rating. And don't forget to leave us a comment on topics you'd like to hear more about. We'd like to give a special thanks again to the Texas Education Agency for supporting this episode and Consentus Media for audio mixing. I'm Nikki Harrison, and until next time, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Be kind.